Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Blame Game. Virus Edition. Find out if it's a game you want to play on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Johnny, and this is Pushback. And what a privilege it is to be able to share my heart with you every week. I've been so grateful to have these opportunities to share the things that are on my heart and the things that are happening in society. And I almost chuckle because... There's been nothing like this, certainly in my lifetime and maybe in history, uh, where we have uh, had such dramatic change over the course of even just three months. I have taken the opportunity of hunkering down with my family uh, and participating in home remodeling projects. Maybe you're the same. I, I heard through the grapevine that Home Depot has never sold so much paint as we're sitting at home looking at our walls and uh, thinking of some things that we could get done around the house that maybe we haven't had opportunity to do before. So we have uh, tackled a fairly big remodeling project in getting our house in shape and uh, having eight children. Our house gets a little bit more wear and tear than most. And so it requires just some some upkeep. And uh, what a great opportunity to just do this as a family. We have a long to-do list that I have created because I'm neurotic that way. and uh, But it's been fun checking things off the list and getting our house uh, spruced up. One of the projects that we have is actually retiling our bathroom. That's actually a big project. We, we had a tub. Now we're changing it into a shower in our master bathroom, and it's going to be very nice. The problem is, is I have very little expertise in that uh, specific uh, activity. I do have a friend named Shane who uh, actually is more of a family member in the fact that his daughter married my son. So we are uh, very close to his family, and he does have expertise in tiling, which I have uh, unashamedly exploited. So he has been over to our house. Uh, and we've been installing tile. Now, I put the word we in quotes because we have been able to uh, socially distance ourselves very easily because I know very little about what's going on and Shane knows everything. So it's mostly me standing at the door watching him do his craft because it really is uh, sort of an artisan type work that he is doing. But during this time, one of our favorite things is just talking to Shane. He, the rivers run deep with that man, and, and he's very thoughtful. And we've been talking about current events and, of course, some of my previous podcasts. And what struck me this week in talking with Shane is uh, a comment that he made as we were going back and forth about uh, the bailout and, and some of the stimulus packages and unemployment and running a small business and, and some of these uh, aspects of our culture that we're dealing with now. Uh, what he said that he hates the most, and I'm quoting Shane, is the blame game. He said when he hears on the news how the fingers are pointing at each other in our society, that that hurts him the most. And I really took that to heart because 
uh, as I've been considering the topic for this week's discussion, uh, I too have been seeing, uh, especially in the realm of politics, uh, uh, rhetoric and finger pointing. Uh, uh, unfortunately, during this very difficult time, it seems to be ramping up. Well, I would submit to you that the blame game has been around since the Garden of Eden. Many of you recall the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, and they were given instructions, of course, not to eat of the one tree of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, of course, they ate, and, and along came God, who walked with them in the cool of the day, and he said to them, they said they were afraid of him and that they were naked, and he said, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 11, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you to not eat from? And then sin does a funny thing. Enter into the stage of world history, the blame game. The man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The finger pointing in the blame game began from the very beginning of time and it was the infiltration of sin and the influence of the enemy on the world. See, sin and the enemy wants to bring division and disunity. It's, it's what they do. And when we begin to look to others to blame or to point fingers at, it's actually catering to the very heart of the enemy. See, there's been blame going all around. Of course, politicians and you you turn on uh, the news or, or look it up on the internet and you see uh, the realm of dishonor and division uh, already forming in our political realms. See, no matter what is done, the opposite side or the opposition second guesses and says they would have done it differently or or they would have done it sooner or later or or or. They, they look for other opportunities to discredit those who are in charge. It's sad. There's been a big push lately about blaming China. Now, this is a communist-run country, and that's not our ideal, certainly. Uh, but this, these viruses have been around for decades. And viruses uh, attacking human beings is not a new thing. And China didn't invent it. And it didn't create it for such a time as this. This is just a new strain that happened to break out in China. Now, could they have done a better job of, of telling us what was going on and factual reporting? Probably. But the fact of the matter is, is the virus is what's causing the problem, not China. In fact, there was even pushback, interestingly, toward healthcare workers, because as I explained in the last several podcasts, really the heart behind the social distancing and staying at home orders, the heart behind it is to try to limit the, uh, the extreme uh, a demand that would be required on the healthcare workers and to try to, to allow the healthcare workers resources and the ability to care for a large number of sick people. We're flattening the curve and pushing the curve into the future so that we're able to gather and accumulate uh, skill resources um, that we need to help treat such a large number of people. 
And there was actually pushback toward healthcare workers. Like we were the problem. Like because of that, we are the ones that have, have, uh, pushed for social distancing and people to be removed from their jobs and and all the things that have been uh, the stay-at-home orders and, and the shutdown of businesses. There's actually been pushback on healthcare workers. My friends, the most important thing for us to consider during this time is that this is new and unprecedented. Not that viruses are new, but the time in which we live and the, our reaction to the viruses is new. And in a, in a lot of ways, it's because we have the means and the technology to really help people. There have been devastating uh, pandemics in the past, but there hasn't been the resources to really do anything about it. It was sort of go home and hope for the best. Well, we actually are living in a society right now where we can really buy time for people and really help people. And because of that, we are making a decision as a society to, to change our behavior, to try to really bring real and effective help. And so I believe that there needs to be an uptick in grace as we approach something that we've never, ever approached before. We have a president sitting in the Oval Office who has never had to deal with the president sitting in the Oval Office is the first one to have to deal with something of this magnitude. This is new. I remember taking a college class just a few years ago, a few decades ago. I was in college and, and there was a, a professor teaching history. I always loved history and always gravitated towards those classes. But, but really the whole point of his class, unfortunately, was to sort of discredit George Washington. And, and his sort of mission in the class and, and sort of the, 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 um, the outline of the class was to go almost step by step and, and talk about the errors that General George Washington made during the American Revolution. And I remember even as a 19, 20-year-old listening to this class, I remember something rising up inside of me and said, now, wait a minute, I, I believe that we can examine every one of our lives and certainly dissect uh, uh, mistakes that were made. But George Washington, in a very real and similar way, was facing a new and unprecedented, new and unprecedented environment that he was in. And he didn't have the time or preparation that he would have required or wanted during the time of the American Revolution. This came fairly suddenly, and, and he put together sort of a ragtag uh, militia that ended up taking on and defeating the greatest world power at the time. And you can... Of course, look at his leadership and the things that he was doing and say, I would have done it differently or I would have uh, 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 had a different time frame or timetable connected to this. But my friends, George Washington was flying by the seat of his pants. And, and when we look at history and we look at what George Washington accomplished without an organized army, and against the greatest world power, and actually the result is victory. I think we can only conclude that it was one of the most marvelous times in history that we have ever experienced. And I am confident that if we work together, not only work together, but actually see what we are doing as a together thing, 
then I am confident that history will look back on us and be amazed at what we accomplished during this crisis, during this pandemic, with very little time or preparation. See, my friends, when we are stressed, when maybe we're afraid, maybe a little stir crazy, (laughs) some of you might be experiencing that, we begin to look to blame. There's something sinister about the enemy's plan when he pushes the little buttons for us to actually look at each other and point fingers. For some reason, we, we f- want to feel better when we can blame somebody else, especially when we feel like there's loss of control or we're afraid. But what I'm calling for and what I'm pushing back on society for this podcast is a little grace and patience. We can have grace for our leaders, all of them, as they go back and forth and try to tear each other down. How about we just have grace and say, wait a minute, we've never done this before. This is new. We're going to do the best that we can. I believe, and maybe I'm being a little naive, that our politicians and leaders actually have our best interest in mind. Now, some of their policies and the way that they bring it out, we can we can question some of those things, but they're really looking to save lives. And because of that, I like to be on board with what they're doing and what they're proposing. A little grace and patience, even if it's not done perfectly. As I mentioned many times before, I'm an emergency room physician. I was just on call last night. And we're I, I feel a greater sense of camaraderie with my fellow workers because we're kind of looking at each other like we've never done this before. There's going to be some mistakes. We're going to do the best that we can. We want to protect ourselves and protect each other and protect our patients and really help them. And at the very end of the day, that's what it's about. And that's our heart. I can say that universally for all of my colleagues that I work with at the hospital. Our heart is to help people. That's why we went into this business in the first place. But we're asking for some grace and patience because literally we are getting updates every day. Things change and things shift. And and we are literally learning and actually, actually we are learning things that we haven't learned since residency. And we're preparing to actually do things that we haven't done for decades because we care for people. So a little grace and patience. That's my, my words of the week if you'll put that in your heart. So maybe more than President Trump, more than China, more than our local politicians, I think the one who gets blamed more than anybody is God himself. But for some reason, it's only when things are bad. Everyone feels pretty comfortable taking credit for things when things are good. But when things go bad, Seems like God gets blamed for that. Have you noticed that? Even when you talk to an insurance agent, you know, when something bad or a natural disaster, they call it an act of God. I think it's not stated correctly. See, I'm going to say something that I believe with my whole heart. God did not cause this virus. A lot of people think when bad things happen, like a pandemic, for instance, that it's the wrath of God and and he is inflicting his people 
to become more like him or to learn long suffering or to uh, reap what we sow, so to speak. God didn't cause this virus. In fact, viruses were made during creation week. Everything was made during creation week. And viruses, like bacteria, were made to be good and beneficial, like most bacteria. I'm sure many of you know that our bodies are actually laden with bacteria, and they actually do good for us. But because of sin and decay and the fall, like all of us, viruses are now acting outside of their created order. They were created for good. But because of sin and because of the darkness that entered the world and because still of the influence of the enemy, this virus is now acting outside of what it actually was created to be and to do. So we really can look at the Bible and, and, and find out what uh, the job descriptions were for the main characters in Scripture. So when we talk about Jesus and what he came the Bible actually lays out his job description. He actually spoke it about himself in Luke 4, 18, when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Is... Him inflicting mankind with a virus, does that seem to fit with his job description? It says, by his stripes, we are healed. We are entering into Easter week. This is where we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. Well, what did he pay for? He paid for the healing of our bodies from things like viruses. He bled, he bore stripes, he was nailed to a cross to actually bear our infirmities. He didn't come to bring infirmity. He came to bear our infirmities, to take them away, to bring healing to the land. His job description says that I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. We're experiencing disruption in our life. We're experiencing death and, and morbidity and mortality and, and inflictions on, our, on mankind. Does that sound like Jesus's job description? It sounds like somebody's job description. John 10.10, 10, it says the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. We're talking about the devil, the enemy, the one who still has the sinister plan to keep us in disunity and to, and to give us a spirit of division. Let's be clear who the enemy is, my friends. The Bible even says that our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers. It's the devil and, 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 and his cohorts that are bringing infirmity on this land. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So let's be super clear about the author of disease, author of COVID-19. It's the enemy who wants to destroy us. It's his heart. That's what he does. But we have Jesus. And his description, job description is that we may have life and have it more abundantly. He heals the brokenhearted. And by his stripes, we are healed. 
And I just proclaim that over you, over your family, and over this land. Easter weekend is really about the blood of Jesus, about what he shed for us. And for me and my life and for my family, I don't want one of his drops of blood to have been shed in vain. And that includes this stinking virus. You know, in Luke 19.10, it's often a misquoted verse. People often quote it and say, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. If you actually look at most translations of the Bible, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. See, the Father created something for us beautiful. It was perfect. And it was in the Garden of Eden where even viruses and bacteria actually came in line with his perfect order. And Jesus actually came to seek and save that which was lost, the original heart of the Father for creation. And when things shifted, this is critical to understand, when things shifted like we're seeing now, it's not the new order of things, it's the out of order of things. It's the out of order. So what do we do about it? Well, we are his kids. We are his families. He lives in us. And if the world is out of order, guess who's on the earth to bring order? It's the spirit of Jesus within us and his Holy Spirit that he placed within us to operate in wisdom, in peace, in grace, in patience. It's called the fruit of the spirit. Love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, kindness. All of these things that flow out of us. This is what the world needs right now. And the world needs that spirit in us manifesting through us to bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness into this world. Christian families, you were given a mandate at the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden when he told the first married couple that they should be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Well, the word subdue is the word kabosh. You may have heard that term before, putting a kibosh on something. Well, that's actually our mandate that we were given as Christian families. The word kibosh, the literal interpretation, is actually footstool. It means to put under your feet. I, I, just, I just commend everybody at the sound of my voice, uh, Christian families, you are to put a kibosh on the things of this earth that steal, kill, and destroy. See, the enemy is a defeated enemy. And he is under our feet because of Christ who lives within us and because of the victory that he purchased on Easter Sunday. We are to put a kibosh on this virus and we, didn't, we need to know who the enemy is. It's not the politicians, it's not our neighbor, it's not the Chinese. The enemy is Satan himself who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have been given a mandate to put him under our feet. Christian families, take this mandate, run with it. Don't live in fear and don't go in the fetal position. This is time for us to rise up and be everything that he created us to be. And Christian families, this is a call to you to rise up and fulfill the mandate that was given to you from the beginning of time. If you want to learn more about the power of family, what he created and put into family, I would encourage you to, during your downtime, with a little extra time, you might be looking for a book to read, 
uh, consider the book, my first book that I wrote called Restoring the Power of Family. It's a critical piece and, and hopefully will inspire you to strengthen, heal, and to rise up and bring restoration to everything family was meant to be. Now let's go together and set the culture.